Hi, this is Tim Sanders, founder of the Omnia Radiation Balancer, and I'm honored to have been a guest on the Journey to Truth show. Now with phone radiation, most people think that because they can't feel anything, nothing is happening. But the reality is that this radiation is causing a lot of stress and damage in your body, and your brain doesn't register that it's happening. The likelihood is that you'll only find out about it when this continuous stress shows up in the body as disease. And this is backed up by well over 10,000 peer-reviewed studies showing that EMF causes serious diseases when they tested it on rats. The Omnia Radiation Balancer removes this stress. It's proven to balance the blood, it brings perfect crystalline structure to water, and our kinesiology muscle tests show that the body goes super strong when you stuck it on your phone. And it works with 5G. You just order enough patches to cover every radiating device in your home and you're done. It lasts forever. But to be clear, let's not get complacent. We must all stop 5G together. So big thanks and big love to Tyler and Aaron. Click on the link below and you can quickly and permanently bring balance back to your body. Thank you. Hey, you're listening to Journey to Truth podcast. Tonight we have on Sean Cannon. Sean has been studying the multidimensional universe according to the ancient Vedic texts of India for the past 11 years now. And he has some incredible wisdom to bring forward and share with all of our listeners and anyone else who this might reach. Uh, We're extremely excited to have you on, Sean. How's it going? Doing great. I'm really honored to be with you both. I think you guys are the best. Well, Um, thank you. you. Thank you. We appreciate that. Uh, And some interesting, an interesting fact about Sean, he lived actually two years at East Seti Ranch with James Gilland, and he had some experiences with Sasquatch. So before we get into all this uh, Vedic philosophy, I'd like to hear your experience on the ranch. Absolutely. Um, I was very lucky uh, to live with James it's an incredible ranch. And in 2017, he accepted me uh, to live there. And uh, first season was incredible, absolutely incredible. And then in 2018, they asked me to come back for season two. Uh, it's a really interesting process how uh, you really have to have an energetic fit to be at the ranch. And you know, there's many reasons for that. You have to be very um, prepared, shall we say. And um, cut a long story short, the minute I got to the ranch, I could feel um, viscerally that I was being watched. And uh, I would hear these schizophrenic, like, cow noises, like, (laughs) where is that? You know, and I would be, and I was camping in my Subaru. I had a Subaru that I was camping in. And I felt like a kid, that the energy was like, I wasn't afraid but I could sense that something was connecting. Okay, so this went on for three weeks and uh, there was a cow farm across the street uh, from the ranch and I thought it was just the cows. Okay, so cutting a long story short, I was mimicking the noises back like, you know, like, (laughs) I don't know where you are. Are you in the trees? Where are you? And so um, one night as I was camping in my Subaru, can you imagine falling asleep I'm watching UFOs flying over. I mean, does it get any better than that? Yeah. yeah. But, but around 3 a.m., uh, my car started shaking. And uh, there was one on either side. And I wear contacts. And But then I was wearing glasses. 
And my heart, I have supraventricular tachycardia, so my heart speeds up. And the minute they shook the car, my heart was pounding. And I thought, oh my God, there's something very big outside this car that's shaking it the way it is. And the minute my heart started pounding, he stopped. And um, so this went on for a couple of nights. And I said to James, you know, James, uh, around 3 a.m. and I'm really in my deep sleep, my car is shaking. And uh, can I just please uh, sleep in a yurt? <laughs> so he's like, yeah, you know, no, no problem, no problem. And uh, so anyway, I moved into one of the yurts uh, when the guests weren't there during the week, you know, when it's empty on the weekends, we can just stay there. And it was such a cool place. And uh, so anyway, um, one night, um, I heard this, what sounded like a T-Rex running around my yurt. And when those creatures run, the ground shakes. And he kept running around and my heart started pounding. So I thought, oh my God, this is it. I'm going to see Delucky. Delucky, by the way, is the name for the teenage Bigfoot. And so when I was, I was coming down the yurt ladder, I, I was shaking. <laughs> and I'm about to see Bigfoot. Because it was obvious he wanted to connect. Uh, I slipped on the ladder and I fell on my ankle and got a hairline fracture. Ooh. And um, I could sense that um, he was outside the door and I could sense that he knew something had happened. And I can't explain it. Um, they're fourth dimensional. They're very empathic creatures. I, I really, I care for Bigfoot. Yes. I really love Bigfoot. Sasquatch is a different species, by the way, but uh, Sasquatch actually preys on Bigfoot. But anyway, and you know, it went on like this for a long time. And so one night, and I think I'm going 30 minutes, 30 seconds over, when I was on my crutches, I was leaving Kazekiel Hall and going to the main house. You remember, you guys know where the apple orchards are? Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You won't believe it. And I have goosebumps <laughs> on my arm right now. Um, an apple rolled, rolled to my foot. And uh, there were no lights. But as I was um, hobbling on my crutches, an apple ro rolled from that pathway from Kazekiel Hall into the kitchen and someone rolled it and it was like maybe midnight no one was out yeah. and I, th and I wow. think maybe he understood that you know this this nitwit uh, broke his foot <laughs> you, know, <laughs> you know that's incredible wow that's, that's amazing <clears throat> that's incredible I mean two years you were there correct two years and um, by the way super super fast my friend Devin who lived in Canada um, he was camping across the road from me. I, we actually saw them. So really super fast under 30 seconds. They really liked Devin. And one night they came to his tent, three of them. He came to my car, banged on the car, like Sean, you know, like they're by my tent. Oh my gosh. We went there. I didn't have my glasses on, but I just had my blanket. And sure enough, they were moving in the trees. And, uh, that was another phenomenal experience. I couldn't believe that I was being watched. I Bigfoot. That was unbelievable. Wow. wow. That's, yeah. that's incredible. Uh, so this is like perfect timing because I think that mm. tickets for the conference are getting ready to go on sale in like a week or something. So yeah, anyone who wants to go to East City, now's the time to get out there and uh, check it out. They're getting ready to open up for the season. So Yeah, I, uh, I, I'm really lucky that uh, they allowed me to go back for season two in 2018. And um, thank you, James. Yeah. That, yeah james is amazing james is amazing yeah absolutely. yeah so tell us about these uh 11 years you've spent studying the ancient vedic text of india the bhagavad gita every time i hear that i think of uh ancient aliens the Bhagavad. absolutely and uh, tyler <laughs> it's connected 
Yeah. Um, it's all connected. It, it started with um, the goddess Pamela Anderson, the actress. What had happened was I had watched her videos um, on compassion. I'm not going to be preachy here. Putting a long story short, she inspired me to reconsider my diet. And I went to um, a vegetarian place here in uh, Tucson. And I was eating the food there. Beautiful place, sanctuary. It's called Govinda's um, here in Tucson. And I felt really wonderful every time I went there. My atheist friend, Matthew, went with me. And um, the, there's a reason why I say atheist. But anyway, um, on the third week of eating there, uh, he had to go to med school at the University of Arizona. And when we left to go into his Jeep, um, we both reclined in the back of his Jeep and we very nervously in sync bit our thumbs like children actually. And we were very overwhelmed with joy and we were very blissed out. And as a young kid, I went to trance raves and I, I did ecstasy, so uh, pure. <laughs> and I'm not endorsing that, but um, I know what it's like to be really blissed out. And so cutting a long story short, I looked at Matthew and I said, uh, do you feel that? And he was like, yes, Shawnee, I do. I said, okay, okay, you know, no problem. You know, the next day we'll go back and I'm going to ask that beautiful lady with the blonde hair, whatever her name is, I'm going to ask her what they're putting in the food. We went back five, about five o'clock and I said, ma'am, you know, I, she's very busy. Her name is Sundamani, a goddess in my life. Um, there's no words to equate the great fortune of knowing this devotee. Okay, so I said to her, I said, um, ma'am, you know, I don't mean to be crass, but yesterday when we left, I felt like I was stoned. <laughs> Could you please tell me what you're putting in the food? And uh, she had a sari on, what's called a sari. In India, they call sari. And I'll never forget, guys, how she looked at me. She wasn't looking at me. She was looking around me. And I didn't know what the heck she was looking at, but she put down the rice container or whatever it was, and she said, okay. And, you know, I could tell she was pressed for time. And she said, you know, we have this deity called Krishna. And in the Bhagavad Gita, a 5,000-year-old text, this being called Krishna um, said, you know, with, with bhava, prema, yoga, love. If you offer something to Krishna with bhava, love, Krishna being seated in, in the heart, he accepts the offering. And so essentially what you were blissed out with was prasadam. And in that moment, guys, the path of least resistance had occurred for me. You know, they say that um, the, the shortest distance between two points is a straight line. And as she was explaining it to me, this tarantula was crawling up my spine. Energetically, I was so blissed out. And I was very, my ego was like, oh my God, this woman's going to think I'm nuts. Like I was moving, I was like, oh, blah, blah, blah. you know, and it went to my crown chakra and it, it just felt um. So I found God in food. That's my answer. That's how it started. I found this Vedic wisdom, this ancient yoga of the science of the soul through food. And I wasn't necessarily looking, but Pamela Anderson had started the domino effect. God bless her. I hope I, I think of her often because if it wasn't for her videos, I don't think I would have necessarily found this great fortune. That's interesting, man. It's, that, yeah. Everyone has such a unique tale on, on <laughs> how they found their way. That's yeah. And this is a, this is a definitely a first. Uh, so, so how? Okay, so from there, 
used to you just were compelled to start to, to pick up the Bhagavad Gita and start reading it or what happened after that I was really impressed with these devotees um the way, way I say this devotees every living thing is a devotee every living thing is an aspect of God we're all devotees but these people are conscious of of Krishna and so I was very impressed by their behavior I was very impressed by their determination and I could tell they had shakti, they had purity, they had that essence that made me want to inquire deeper about, well, what the heck is this? You know, like, why am I feeling great? I'm not a Hindu. Uh, I've come to find out God in the supreme form is not Hindu. Hindu just means river, Hindus. But anyway, um, I was very impressed by their behavior and their, oh my God, the intelligence of some of these devotees, what they knew. And that was, um, it, like you were saying, Tyler, it, it started with the Bhagavad Gita, Nikolai Tesla, Einstein, Leo Tolstoy, Hitler. Hitler was obsessed with the Vedas for a very good reason. All the great minds. I'm not an intellect. What I am is I'm a deeply fascinated uh, um, soul. I'm very fascinated about the world. And so I was able to be surrounded by such great Krishna or Bhakti Yogi yogis, bhakti, bhakti yogis, that were liberally distributing this knowledge of the ancient science of the self. And by proxy to that, you know, I'm, um, I'm able to understand that we are not this body, that we are eternal, that we are full of bliss. We will never end and we never begin. The body will end. But you as the soul, the consciousness injected in the body, that can never diminish. And so um, it's very nice to be in this world. You still suffer. I still have letdowns. I still stub my toe or now pain does arise. But through that, I can remain, as the Vedas would say, equipoised. I can be still in the midst of joy or distress and be present without judging it, without identifying with it. Um, what's really fascinating is Lord Buddha. Everyone loves Lord Buddha. That's Krishna. You know, he was tricking Mayavad philosophers, Mayavad, Maya illusion, Vad, that, that you are in that form of illusion, which is the absence of God, Brahman, Jyoti realization. Uh, when Buddha came, he was tricking them to being more compassionate without the Vedas because, you know, they were killing animals left and right and justifying it through Vedic ritual and Vedic so-called knowledge. So that's why the Buddha came to, okay, guys, you really don't want the purity essence of the Vedas, so let's do away with them. Let's be compassionate without them. And so, you know, it's nice to be in this world and understand where living entities are coming from. And um, it's addictive, guys, because just when you think you know something, there's another ocean to consider of pure knowledge. And... If you're not an intellect like myself, and I'm not full of false modesty, I'm not an intellect. I'm curious, deeply curious. If some of it's overwhelming for the mind, that's why in India they have mantras. Man, mind, tra, get out of your mind. Sound puts you back into your heart. And apparently that's where we all know everything. This is our eternal self is in the heart chakra. So, um, yeah, does that answer that? <laughs> it, it, yeah, that was beautiful. It does. I go on forever. There's so many. There's so many <laughs> no, things. Was... There's so many things to touch on, uh, just based on what you said. And, and I know there's a multi-dimensional aspect to all of this. 
And that's mm-hmm. it's interesting you had the Bigfoot experience because Bigfoot is a multi-dimensional being as well. It, so I think you were given that experience to maybe help understand some of the stuff you've been researching and experiencing as well. And yeah. Go ahead. And that's a curious point you're making. I'm not exceptional because I've had experiences. The secret is to having an open heart, having a childlike curiosity about the world. And I think that's one of my greatest attributes is that I do have this very childlike inequality of being open and contact uh, Jody Foster, uh, Carl Sagan's brilliant book. That was the first point in my life of waking up going, oh my God. And I love Dr. Ellie Arroway, that character. And that was the first movie where I was like, wait a minute, there's a lot more going on than this, this little piece of sand we call Earth. There's a lot more going yeah. on, you know? Oh, yes. Yeah, definitely. So, and speaking of, so how, do you, how would you take the information you've come across and relate it to today, right now, what we're going through on Earth? Because there's a lot of lessons there and a lot of, I guess, symbolism that ties in directly to what we're experiencing. Uh, even something interesting, you said like the Subaru car has the Pleiades uh, constellation on their logo. I had no idea until you told yeah. me that. It, it just ties in everywhere. You know, that's a, thank you for that question, by the way. One of our biggest challenges, guys, is that we don't learn symbolism. Ignorance prevails, predominates due to a lack of knowledge. And I'm not saying academia, like reading books, just curiosity. Well, what does that Target logo really mean? It's Saturn, it's not bullseye, but we can talk about Saturn later. And, you know, symbolism is actually how negative entities, I would say, manipulate our perception. And so to answer your first question about this world, we first, I think existentially, the first systemic question that's pivotal is why am i here and why do i suffer and those two questions start the domino effect for other considerations of what is happening and why everything seems to be the way it is yes that that, i mean i I think everyone would agree with that that those are the two main questions of life yeah so and I don't, I don't mind if you do feel like touching on Saturn right now because okay. that, that symbolism is everywhere. Yeah. And, and there's a lot of controversy. People want to know, like, why, is, why did they use Saturn? What's so bad about it? What's so good about it? You know, what's going on there? Yeah. Okay. Let's, um, let's talk about Saturn because it's highly relevant. <laughs> yeah. um, so in India, they call the god of Lord of the Rings... Uh, He's actually a demiurge. Um, The demigod of Saturn is a fourth dimensional being. His wife is called Kali. Our time period right now is called Kali Yuga, which is a time period. Um, And they call the god of Saturn in India, Lord Shani Devi. And he is literally called Lord of the Rings. About 5,000 years ago, by the way, a bit of pretext, the supreme consciousness that you both are a part of is unlimited. You, we, we can't, our brains are not designed to comprehend the unlimited because the brain's limited. That's the paradox. Mm-hmm. So mantras and you know, blah, 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 yoga can verify that's, met, that, that's metaphysical. Metaphysics beyond your senses, right? So 
5,000 years ago, the supreme personality of Godhead, which I find very interesting, the wording, the supreme personality of Godhead, who is called Krishna, when he appears on Earth-like planets, um, Earth-like meaning yin-yang, dualistic, hot-cold, north-south, joy-distress, and the 60 billion, apparently, Earth-like planets just in the spiral arm of our galaxy, and Krishna's been on all of them. But, but again, a bit of pretext, Krishna can't go to the higher dimensions because billions and billions of demigods think they are gods. So if Krishna showed up there, their illusions would be destroyed. He can't go to worlds lower than earth, um, lower than earth meaning intense suffering. We think we suffer here. They are actually dimensions below earth where souls suffer greatly. So earth is the perfect frequency of Hawaii and say Iraq, you know, duality, aloha and you know, wrath. Yeah. <laughs> so, so kind of long story short, um, when the Supreme Personality of Krishna, of, of, of Godhead appears, Krishna, when he appears on Earth-like planets, he causes an energetic disturbance, a multidimensional disturbance, because the Supreme Bhagavan is present. All the demigods situated in their respective realms, very interesting wording, take what's called darshana. Uh, darshana means to see. Uh, they take they take a look at Krishna. One demigod came in his twenty mile wide mothership, <laughs> uh, Saturn, Lord Shani, and he was known by the demigods to be the god of death. And um, Mother Yoshoda, Krishna's mother, was like, "Nah, get this thing away from my kid. There's absolutely no way that I want this entity near my." beloved Krishna. So the demigods kicked him out. Can you imagine like the Senate in um, Star Wars? Uh, that's literally, there's a lot of truth going on with Star oh, Wars, by the way. We yeah. Star, Star we Wars is based... Yeah, go ahead. I said we Star talked about that on our last episode, actually. Star Wars is based off of the Mahabharata of India, which, anyway, Darth Veda, Veda knowledge, Darth Dark, Lucius, uh, Lucius Skywalker, Lucian, Lucifer, Christ, anyway. Um, it's all tied in. But um, so anyway, um, the demigods kicked him out. And before Saturn, Satan, by the way, Satan, Saturn, Satan in Hebrew means one who arbitrates you on a court. All of our laws are Judaic. Judaism is Saturnism. The Kabbalists know this. Islam is Saturn worship. The, the box in Mecca, not box, but the black cube. The, the black cube of Saturn that they circumambulate in rings, concentric rings, sound familiar, rings of Saturn, and the tilaf that the rabbis have, it's the same thing. But anyway, so Lord Shani is humiliated, the god of Saturn. And by the way, he comes from Orion, his family, and Siri us. You know Siri, the AI on your Apple phone? <laughs> yeah. Make this stuff up. Um, in the book of Job, will dilute the bands of Orion and gain the influence of the Subaru or the Pleiades. It's an ET thing going on here, folks. It's exopolitical. Okay. So Lord Shani is humiliated, and he caused such an energetic disturbance. He conjured a very confidential, we can talk more about this, the absolute nature of the Supreme. He conjured the most confidential aspect of Krishna, or Mahavishnu, called the Paraatman, which means the super soul. And this is God consciously located within every single atom and every single heart chakra. You know the quantum uh, theory? Uh, when we look at 
atoms, they behave like this. When we don't, they're in their own world. It's spooky at a distance, Einstein said. That's Vishnu, because he's dreaming this material causation into manifestation. God, it's delicious. So anyway, he conjures the super soul, Mahavishnu, and Mahavishnu appears to him and essentially says, what's going on with you? Like, why are you behaving like this? And he said, Lord, I just wanted to see you. I just wanted to be with you. It's almost like that George Harrison song, I really want to see you. Hare Krishna. There's a reason why George put that in there. So what we learn from this Veda, Veda means knowledge, to know, not to believe, to know. That that becomes self-evident. That's what Veda means. We learn from this Veda that hurt people hurt. Demons cause suffering to match their own energetic frequency of suffering. Wow. Makes sense, right? So so he's in, he's, I mean, the planet was shaking more or less because Saturn was just so, he was this close to seeing Krishna. This close. So Mahavishnu appears and he says, look, I'm very touched by this, but I won't change what you've done. You can't change what you've done, but there is something that I can do. When I leave in my Bhagavan form, Krishna, your wife Kali will reign, the Kali Yuga, K-A-L-I. And Google Kali Empire State Building because the Illuminists projected her onto the Empire State Building for a reason. Okay, and this age will be so monstrous. Consciousness will be at an all-time low. Materialism will prevail. No one will want to know me in truth the supreme person so how about this instead of being the god of death why don't you become the god of karma wow so what we learn about that this is why saturn is really important in, in people's birth charts lloyd shani this demon this ghastly beast yahweh jehovah he's the demi urge of the old testament and by the way this wrathful vengeful god like what he's essentially saying to the Israelite, the people, did I not tell you not to do this? Not Don't do that. I have a chance to make it right, and you're screwing up. That's why he's angry. He has a nature. Very interesting stuff. And this is why I think it's so important that people understand, understand there is a supreme person that we all come from and trillions of demigods in the multidimensional multiverse that are trying to be him. And by the way, that's not so far out because I've met humans that think they're God. So as above, yeah. so below. You know, that, yeah. to me, that doesn't contradict. So, so Lloyd Shani Devi is the, should we say the cabal? Oh, by the way, do you know about the south pole of Saturn? How it makes an all-seeing eye? You should Google image it. No. And the, t- the north pole of Saturn is a permanent star of David. It's you should a, Google image this. It's, it's a um, hexagon? hexagon. Yeah. Yeah. But, but and, I guess and, when you connect that, it's... And Lord Shani Devi, so you know when you see like Lady Gaga and Madonna doing this? Yeah. Yeah. That's the South Pole of Saturn. You should Google image it. It's fascinating. And that's the dollar, that's the eye on the that's dollar. That's the all-seeing eye? Is the yeah. South Pole of Saturn. Okay. And what, I, what I've come to understand from my own journey, and I don't mean to make any offenses to anyone, I don't like offending people. You know, it's not my thing. But I think there was a, a beautiful being that came from the Pleiades, just like the book of Job said. I think his name was Isla or Yeshua. Why? There's temples of him in India. Guess what he learned? Bhakti, the kingdom of God, Vishnu, is in the heart. That's when the Catholic tradition, he's showing you the heart, yoga of the heart. This is why his life is missing from the Bible. 
I think Lucifer, I mean, first of all, Caesar concocted the Jesus Christ story, by the way. This is why when Jesus says, offer everything unto Caesar, he was a psychotic. Who did the Romans worship? Saturn. The whole corporation of Saturn, Judaism, Islam, Christianity, or Luciferism, and my personal opinion, I think Jesus Christ, the greatest story ever told, that's the cremation of concern. Mm-hmm. You tell a story, and it's up to these idiots whether or not they believe it. Um, and I don't mean to make offenses there, but um, well, what I mean to say is uh, I think Lord Shani, Saturn, sent his kid here to raise the vibration. And apparently, in some circles, Lucifer or Jesus is the higher octave of Saturn. So Saturn represents darkness and light. Welcome to the third dimension. That's why his wife, Kali, Saturn's wife, Satan's wife, Kali, keeps our planet in the bandwidth of the third dimension. So fascinating. I mean, this stuff, like those rings, there's an interesting book called The Ringmakers of Saturn. And you can actually get the PDF online. And there's images of these Earth-sized plasma vehicles generating the the rings. You know the movie Lord of the Rings? Yeah. I mean, they make movies about this entity. Every symbolism... Well, goes back to mostly Lord, to Lord of the Rings has the all-seeing eye. Yeah, it, it sure it, does. It is. Yeah. It's like yeah, yeah that's yeah. like the big evil so, thing in Lord of the Rings. So how yeah. do these? So the, the the Illuminati, the Cabal, the whatever you want to call them, we see the Saturn symbolism everywhere. Yeah. How do how do they benefit from putting that symbolism out everywhere to basically uh, infiltrate our mind? Uh-huh. How does, how, how does that benefit them? Oh, my God. So to answer that, our brain subconsciously moves 400 billion bits of data per second, subconscious. Conscious lobe, our brain moves 2,000 bits of conscious data per second. You tell me, Tyler, where do you think we are really in our head? We're right here. So subconsciously promoting the symbolism, if it's Madonna's Super Bowl, where she's openly doing the Baphomet thing and the all-seeing eye of Satan and Lady Gaga doing her MK Ultra stuff. Um, what's the benefit? They're getting us conditioned for the complete totalitarianism of their religion. And they're getting us, and I think the young kids are very conditioned by it. They're, they don't even blink, you know, and... Um, they don't understand it. And I wonder how many of the people who are, okay, let's say Madonna is mind controlled. I wonder if she, or if a lot of these celebrities we see, I wonder if they actually understand the true meaning behind what they're actually promoting. Or do you think they have an understanding like you have an understanding? Or do you think they're just blindly following uh, the rules? Well, great question. Madonna's Ray of Light album, which I thought was her opiates i thought that was a brilliant album um very avant-garde very just brilliant and she was in the kabbalah right jewish mysticism um well i mean did you see her instagram post last year when you sell your soul you're not allowed to ask for it back i mean come on (laughs) you know you can google you can google that so i think madonna's an intellectual i think She's probably she's probably a priestess, just like Hillary is. Hillary, um, I think I think I think 
she has gone the extra mile to understand the contract that she signed. And if you notice in her 2003 period, American Life or something like that, she had the rabbis on and trying to kind of foster this sense of um, healing and forgiving and you put out what you take in and you take in what you put out and very akin to a very analogous to like the, uh, the Vedic understanding of Buddhism of cause and effect, cause and effect. I think she, so I think Madonna gets it um, because her Super Bowl performance was not subtle and I cringed. I was like, wow, like this is really coming mainstream. And uh, so they prey upon Tyler ignorance. And in the Bhagavad Gita, this text, this ancient text, which I wish everyone would order. Oh my God, what Krishna says in here will blow your mind. Ignorance in the Kali Yuga predominates. So subconsciously, they infiltrate that aspect of our situation and compromise it. That's why they don't want us awake. <laughs> you know? Yeah, because then, then we're a threat. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. man were you gonna say something well oh. no no go ahead <laughs> oh. i just I, I just it's so crazy because it's not just like oh there's a building over here but it's everywhere it's in the commercials it's on our phone our entire phone is loaded with apps of uh promoting lucifer basically yeah yeah and, and when you and that's researchable it's not me just saying that you can actually tie the symbols into the apps on your phone <laughs> And well, yeah, well, actually, what I want to say is, um, so, so yeah, it's like we talk about the Illuminati, the cabal, like they're basically a giant cult that runs the planet, right? They have their own, their own religion that they keep to themselves, but they promote it in symbolism and put it out there constantly, like you said, to like playing on our ignorance to like rope us into that and keep us trapped in that system and keep the system going and feeding them and then ultimately leading more and more and more to like our further oppression and enslavement and then more benefiting them, you know, and that, that's, that's a whole rabbit hole that you can get out for a while. Uh, put, put your helmet on. But, yeah. but it seems to be right now, there's this like planetary cleanup. There's this, like the energy's rising, the ascension, whatever you want to call it. Um, it's like they're freaking out cause they're losing their control and like, um, you know, it's, it really does. I, I feel it. I see it. Uh, there's, there's this like cleansing purging happening right now on the planet. And it's like, it's amazing. I can't keep up with it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I can't keep, I can't keep up with it. And that's a really, Aaron, that's a really on, on, on par observation because the ultimate what is really happening is that they are divine leelas being played out in the multiverse. God is a performer. Lord Rama, who came here 1.3 million years ago, 1.3 million years ago in Satru Yuga. That was the time period then. By the way, NASA found the Sri, Sri, Sri Lanka bridge that's now buried underwater, that Hanuman. And God um, is a performer like we are. Spirit animates matter. We animate this body through our sense of identifying with material energies. We're all performers. I, you're performing as uh, Aaron. You're performing as Tyler. I'm performing as Sean. So this is just like the greatest Leela, the greatest divine story that's being playing out. And um, light always wins. I know, we, I know that's a Sedona cliche, but the supreme <laughs> consciousness, who I call Vishnu or Krishna, 
he always wins. <laughs> so yep. tying this back to the ascension, oh, sorry, Aaron. No, no, go ahead. Uh, so um, are you ready for this? For all this grains of sand on, this is what the Vedas say, and it's important for folks to know that for the sake of time, I'm not going to quote the, where it is in the book, but I'll give you the gist. For all the grains of sand on Earth, that's how many stars are in one galaxy. Oh, my God. And for all the grains of sand on Earth, that's how many um, universes exist. Universes. Wow. As, uh, the Vedas say that Vishnu dreams them into fruition. He dreams them into manifestation. And we can elaborate why that is. But essentially, every single star is sentient. There's a residing deity in every star. Our sun god is called Vivishvan. And Krishna first orates the Vedas to him. And then Vivishvan reverberates them outward. This is why meditation, when we, when we go into meditation, and we particularly recite certain mantras, we are connecting to pure source. <laughs> they don't want us meditating. They do not want us investigating yoga because they lose. But Vivishvan, yeah. our sun god, um, he's going through his own transfiguration. In the third dimension, the sun looks like fire. In whatever dimension the sun is really in, it's a solar disk. Uh, but in the third dimension, it looks elemental. It looks like fire. And Vivishvan is going through his own transfiguration. I don't know if you guys know, but a micronova is going to come. And yeah. Oh, it, yeah. oh, the solar flash is what yes. a lot of people and, call it. And, mm -hmm. and, and, and yeah, and in, in India, they call it the Samvartika fire. Samvartika fire. Yeah. And in the Bible? It's, it's in like every ancient, it's in every ancient text. It's it's called a different thing. Almost, it's called uh, yeah, almost all of them, or if all of them, some Vartica, yeah. It's ekpyrosis, um, mm. and yeah, uh, it's like different terms, and they're all talking about the same thing. That's we're like basically right at the brink of happening right now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's going to be. I mean, you guys are Jedi's. I, I see what the work you're doing, and here you are, really trying to awaken people up. For folks like you, my God, it's going to be incredible. Because you're, you're doing the work, you're preparing for the alignment, your head's out of the sand, and yeah. you're, you're being conscious. So what I think is going to happen, I think we can have a series of flashes, just like David mentioned, David Wilcock in his, mm -hmm. uh, I love David, by the way. Oh, I we both on, do. Yeah. I, turn, I turned him on to kombucha, him and Corey. I bought them. Yeah, that's what Tyler kombucha. told me. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. I've actually uh, <laughs> got mine right Good, good yeah. health. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and so I, I feel like um, that's the real elephant in the room. I think the reptilian agenda on this planet, they're terraforming it to, I think that's why we have dumbs under the earth. I think that's why we have like thousands and thousands of dumbs under the earth. They're trying to avoid what's coming. Yeah. Because yeah. They consciously they don't understand that actually it's the reverse. You want to be here for it. You can transcend. Yeah. In going into the higher dimensions and whatnot. And I think we do kind of um, fantasize a little bit about the glitter and unicorns and everything. I don't think it's going to be like that for many people. We have to understand there's still a lot of work to do even when you transcend that vibration. You have to acclimate. You have to adjust. You, where, where the people, with the soul, it's not just some analogous kind of like you know, come see them, you know, it's going to be really phenomenal for those who are doing the work now. 
and it's coming. Mm-hmm. And sorry, sorry, I would say the way I understand it is you you, you described it perfectly. But once that happens, I, I, we're, we still have our physical body, and and that body is still going to bring us pain and suffering to an extent. And that's one of the things we're going to have to adjust. So it's not going to be grand in a sense that a lot of people were imagining it to be. Well, I think it is just not, maybe not, it's not like we don't have to um, worry about anything anymore. Whereas some people, you know, it's like, we still have to take self-responsibility and yeah, exactly. work on yourself, I think is the main thing. And what was it? Uh, David Wilcock mentioned this. I forget where the data comes from, but he said like life will be, one either 100 or 1,000 times more harmonious than it is now, basically, after. And can't you guys feel it a little bit? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. You, like, you know, feel that, hmm, you know. I, what's that saying? Um, I, 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 Alex Collier, he, um, I'm very, Collier. Yeah. I, I'm very attracted to him. And I, I think he speaks the truth because it feels right. Absolutely. Experiment, right. But it, the, the Andromedians told him, the love you withhold is the pain you you carry. you carry sorry yeah, yeah. lifetime after lifetime after lifetime oh mm-hmm. my god so this 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 transformation it's time to kind of like as you both are beautifully saying it's time to do our inventory and to really go in and um, be and stay in not be uh, conditioned by the external illusions the maya as the vedas call it there's only one problem when arjuna by the way arjuna was an ET. Um, here he is. He was a hybrid. He was a mom. His mom was a human. His dad was an ET, and uh, Krishna is the Krishna. But where was I going with this? He, Arjuna asks questions in here for our benefit. And Einstein said, "When you can't speak of something simply, it means you don't understand it." And so Arjuna essentially asks Krishna, "What, what is the?" real source of our problems here. And Krishna just comes out with it. Living entities, not just humans and demigods, rattlesnakes, aquatic life, living entities identifying with that that they're not. In other words, lust. Not lust in a religious, uh, naughty, naughty way, but lusting after the objects of the senses. That's where all errors begin. And I thought, oh my God, that's so brilliantly true. Yeah. We identify with this hologram that we think we are, you know, and, um, you know, it's an interesting story about why we ended up in this multiverse and why begrudgingly Vishnu had to create it. But, you know, I, mean. <laughs> I didn't realize you were done. Uh. <laughs> so that's so true, though. Yeah. That, when you when you think about it, like all our problems stem from attachment to this material, the material world, which is just an illusion, essentially. That's what they call the Maya. Um, you know, it's, it's real on one level, but it's, but it's, it's, there's the deeper reality is our essence, which is what we all are part of the same one essence consciousness. And the conspiracy Aaron is that don't you think about that stuff? Hey, look, a flat screen TV, look at it. Hey, yeah. look over here, go on Amazon, buy something you don't need. Yeah. Oh, you know, here, go caffeinate yourself so you can't meditate. I mean, by the way, Starbuck, that crown, 
that she's wearing. I mean, the, the queen wears the crown, the ring, because it's the ring of Saturn. Mm-hmm. The star above Starbuck is the star of um, uh, Saturn used to be a star, but that's what it, anyway. Um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I've, I've, heard, I've that. heard that as well. Yeah, so, Saturn yeah. Is sun. Spe- speaking of stars, the swastika. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. So that basically is derived from. The, is it the Big Dipper, the Little Dipper that's just going, uh, you know, completing its rotation? And then the North Star is at the center of that, correct? Yeah. And what is really um, fascinating about this is that, as you know, the swastika is the most ancient symbol in, in Hinduism. And by the way, Hinduism is not a religion. It's very important to, it's so complicated. It's like saying the Large Hadron Collider is it just a machine. No, it's not. It's actually very complicated. So Hinduism is not a religion. But the reason why I say that as a preface, there was this incredible devotee of Vishnu called Dhruva. And he's a devotee of Vishnu. And the Sanskrit Dhruva, Naskara, means immovable star. And this star, as you can see, if you Google image it, all stars seem to circumambulate against Dhruva, the, the star of the North Pole. And the reason for that is Vishnu wanted all the solar deities, because like we said earlier, every star is sentient. Uh, Dhruva um, was an incredible devotee of Vishnu. And so the Big Dipper, which looks like an L, kind of, during the different uh, um, seasons of our planet, it makes like an L here, an L here, and an L here, and an L there. And that's the swastika, and the dot in the middle is the North Star, the, the pole of the North Star. So it's kind of like, wow, you know. And it also means um, the sun crawling in the sky because stars move around our galaxy, right? And it means, um, you know, may good fortune find you. And, of course, Hitler inverted that. He was a Saturnalian. You know, he worshipped Saturn. Oh man, yeah, Hitler. He was a he was a cabal puppet essentially. Yeah, because um, a lot of people think he was the the what started the not like he was just a puppet. He there was so much more above him, and that's what a lot of people don't understand. Right, um, right. But he was very much. But like you said, he was very much into all this stuff and and trying to use all this occult knowledge to his right. advantage, and you know, for power and everything else. Well, he. Was, I mean, I was just gonna say he was chosen specifically. Yeah, he, he was groomed before he even knew what he, he was. was actually British. He was yeah, actually, he was yeah. actually British. Yeah, and he was planted go figure there. And yeah, yeah, and he was and he was groomed into. Uh, he was basically under mind control, and mm-hmm. from what I understood, he, he eventually uh, his ego took over, and he took it further than what they wanted, what their agenda was, and he kind of took it out of hand is and then that's the result we saw we all saw so and the methamphetamines didn't help him out either yeah Yeah. and this was this this plan began in the 1800s i mean this this was it didn't just Mm -hmm. happen overnight this was a well thought out plan right yeah and then there's the whole german secret space program aspect (laughs) and uh, And, and the name the rocket saturn yeah 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 just random it's just whimsicality you know? but but it's funny because a lot of people you know everyone thinks germany and the nazis lost world war ii but no, really really they did not 
and they had all this secret space program. They had bases in, in Antarctica. They went to, on the moon and Mars. And the only thing went they, out into space. The only thing they actually lost was Germany. They lost like the surface <laughs> level yeah. 3D war, which doesn't mean anything. Yeah, right. It's like a. It was just like a show basically and then half of them came to the um, united states yeah and then project, project paper, paper they all came and, and then went to nasa went to our government and yeah agencies and everything else well i think but buy stuff from amazon folks go to starbucks go to disneyland don't look here yeah you know yeah. like yeah you know i mean the occult is called the occult for a reason occult's a good thing well it's not intrinsically evil it just means hidden cult it just means it's not a bad thing no. um if you only buy Apple computers, if you only get your coffee from Starbucks, that's a cult, you know. But the root derivative of cultivation, to cultivate, to propagate, it's a wonderful thing. It can be a wonderful thing, you know. And yeah, um, yeah. yeah. it's just that the like I talked about before, this cult, this you can call them a dark cult, a negative cult, whatever you want to call them, because they're they have this belief system that is very power over others oriented and they're, they want to be the ones in power and they want it all for themselves and like screw everyone else. And they, you know, use, abuse, whatever they need to do to get what they want. Yeah. Well, that's an interesting thing you're talking about, Aaron, because the Bhagavad Gita, uh, 5,000 years ago, um, 600, 1100 beings died in that war and they had, mantras that could mimic a nuclear bomb by the way i mean this stuff is so out there and these ets they were ets they wanted this planet and uh they wanted a certain area actually of india the pandavas that, that um and so uh could long story short um and there's so much nourishment and like richness in the story but the point is krishna tried to prevent this war he went up to them they didn't understand who they were talking to and this is why Krishna performs. Demons are covered. They're covered by their own vanity, their own power, their own sense and illusion of power. So they're covered even more so. So they don't, they don't have the intelligence to understand who they were talking to. Intelligence. The para-atman, the super-soul within you gives intelligence. Um, anyway, that's another topic. But So he is, Krishna essentially sends to them, you know, we don't have to do this. Do the right thing. Just essentially go home, whatever star you came from. And they were like, no, we want this war. And so that's why the Bhagavad Gita was sung. And I, I don't know if you can see it, but um, as you can see, they're on a battlefield. There's two opposing sides. Mm -hmm. And um, Krishna sang the Bhagavad Gita because these demons wanted ownership of this planet. So... The more, like Jordan Maxwell says, and I got to meet him last year, that was incredible, a couple of times. The more we change, the more we stay the same. And um, this is why it's so crucial that we shift our, focal, uh, our focus to, Veda, to the Vedas, to understand what really is and what really isn't. Why are we wrathful? Why are we envious? Why do we have this sense of false propriety over everything? And um, I, I think the Vedas could save the planet. And, um, you know, it's a shame that our education is completely bogus. Our, oh, my yeah. God, what these kids are going through. My God. It, yeah, it's, it's not even education. It's indoctrination. Yeah. 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 
that's all it is that's a that's an entire episode in itself yeah it really yeah. is there's so much i mean just just even the fact of the student loan so you 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 go you finish you graduate then you have a hundred thousand dollars in student loans by the time you actually pay that off when are you ever ahead it, it's, that's the point so exactly it's, yep it's just, yeah that's the point i tell you something our president um there's something very interesting going on with him, and I think it's cosmic related. Agreed, one hundred percent agree. I I think um, I think this man is in tune with something that we won't understand, but he is assigned the position of moving us before this supernova event. By the way, micronova, truth revelation. Right, we're in the period of rev L. L is Saturn. Mm-hmm. Revelation, truth has to come out before we can consciously move towards the next dimension. And we dodged not a bullet, we dodged a nuclear bomb if the other person got in. But that wasn't our destiny. No. Sure. No, it, no. That changed in we definitely did. 2012. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. And that's when the timelines merged. Mm-hmm. Which is interesting with the Mayan calendar and date being what it is, twenty twelve, because it's not the end of the world as was kind of put out there. It was the end of it was the end of an age, the age exactly. of Pisces, yeah, um, which was all about domination, control, hierarchy, everything else. According to according to the ancient Vedantists, they are demigods waiting in line to take birth on this planet right now. Not only have the avatars been here, the supreme personality, the features of the infinite one, but we are the most highly sought after star system um, in our neighborhood. Um, Not only for the spiritual technology, because the avatars only gift this wisdom to the humans, by the way. Very interesting. Demigods can't have it. You have to take human birth to have the absolute picture. Very interesting because God plays fair. You know, you've both been demigods before. You're probably from a higher realm. That's why you're doing the nice work you're doing here. But um, a lot of demigods um, are lording it over the material creation. They want that star and let's go terraform that star. You know, look how bil- uh, billionaires behave here. Uh, uh, Bezos is not happy with just 50 billion. He wants, yes. uh, he wants a trillion. Yeah. Well, as above, so below. Demigods are out there going, all right, we've got 10 stars under our belt. Let's go after that one. Yeah. You know, so as about so boring. So greed, essentially, yeah. Yeah. And, um, you know, so this star system is very special. Um, the, the supreme person has been here many times in many different features that bewildered the, the demigods. And, um, yeah, it's such an interesting time to be here. And, uh, to inaugurate this ascension process. Um, so Bhagavan Krishna was here 5,000 years ago and no one knows of this, you guys. No one's talking about this, but hopefully we may set a precedent on this podcast. A very confidential esoteric avatar of Krishna appeared um, 500 years ago. He was just here. Um, when he appeared in India, guess what happened in Europe? The Renaissance began because the Supreme Bhagavan was back. See, this isn't Hinduism. This is everyoneism. That's not a word, but <laughs> this, is, this is about every living thing. This isn't yeah. about religion. The Supreme Bhagavan is in love with every living thing. It's all coming from him. 
her, her him and her. But the point is, um, he inaugurated. So the Kali Yuga is four hundred and thirty-two hundred thousand years long. That's when Kali reigns. Within that four hundred and thirty-two hundred thousand years, there's a ten thousand golden age. That, like you beautifully pointed out, Tyler, um, the Mayas were telling hundred years into that ten thousand year window. And um, Lord Chitanya, the golden avatar, Krishna came as Chitanya in China. Chi means life force giver. Lord Chitanya, he moved all around India. Um, he was a beggar. God came as a beggar to perform this leela of distributing sound vibration to every living thing, to awaken them up to their original position as the soul. And... Uh, IG was, I wonder why this is not taught. I wonder why the mainstream won't put this on, you know, the BBC. I think in some cases they have, but Lord Chaitanya, this confidential esoteric avatar of Krishna, he inaugurated, he began the ascension process because he could be Vishvanas. He knows who this, the sun god is. He knows he's going through his own transfiguration of his self. And um, Krishna came to inaugurate it, and it's a it's a heart centric consciousness, you know. It's a it's a hara, h a r e, Krishna hara that that is within your heart, and um, he moved all over India. Millions of people moved with him. The Hari Krishnas go in the streets chanting like they do back and forth to mimic that beautiful. Um, those people are very special. I understand what they're doing, but to those people who don't understand, they're like the crazy people. I, I hold space for that. I, I, I understand where they're coming from. But the sound that those devotees are emitting goes into the, every living entity's ear and into their heart. And at some point, that seed sprouts like a lotus. It's like a lotus in the Ganges River. comes out through the mud and it sprouts. So what they're doing is, uh, I mean, dogs, pigeons, sewer rats, any living thing that hears the sound vibration, they get great spiritual benefit. And that's happening all over the world. And not many people know yes. about it. Well, yeah. just, just the importance of sound. So beautiful. The importance of sound in general. And yeah. The potential yeah. that we don't understand. I mean, what you can do with sound as far as not even just using it as a technology, but healing. Um, I mean, my God, it never ends. It's like mm -hmm. dance and all, all that stuff. Well, everything is frequency. Yeah. So. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, look at cymatics. Look at the study of yeah. like if you put sand on a disc and you mm -hmm. sorry, look at the patterns that come from that. Yeah. Um, like energy, spirit moves matter. It animates matter. Mm -hmm. So this is why we're so powerful beings. The soul is so powerful, Krishna says in the Gita. It's empowered just like God is. That's how powerful the soul is. Something you touched on earlier, I wanted to go back to is as far as like the human form being like the uh, humans being the most desirable uh, form, I guess, or species, I guess, mm. you say, um, why is that? Why are we so sought after? Why? What makes us so special? So Krishna says in the Bhagavad Gita, I come for the human form. I, I appeal to the human family because they closely mirror the leelas of the spiritual abode. Romeo, Juliet, Radha, Krishna. Like when Radha, Krishna appeared in the world, their leela was to find one another. And Radha, Rani, Radha, Rani, she represents the soul going back to the Supreme Bhagavan. 
So the, and the, remember I was saying earlier that God's a performer. He's like a Shakespearean performer. He just loves performing because, you know, he's God. And so essentially the avatars, not the avatars, ETs, they understand dimensionally things that we can't because we're limited by the third dimension. They know when something very special happens in a certain star system. I don't understand it. Like, do you know that Pleiadians make music from stars? <laughs> wow, really? that's pretty cool. Right. So they, they understand something energetically. So my opinion is that the reason why certain ETs have sliced and diced their DNA with ours wasn't necessarily just for us to mine gold. I think they wanted in. They wanted an energetic in to understand who are these avatars? What are they giving the humans? Why can't we have them? Can you imagine, guys, if we had a chicken coop and God said he was going to appear at our place, but he didn't come to see us, he went to go play with the chickens? <laughs> we, we would be like, excuse me? Why is he playing with those filthy things? So demi, most Democrats are very egoic. They're very vain. I mean, look at the, look at the um, Orion and, and uh, Sirius Egyptians. God, they were so vain. Yeah. The ego yeah. was really high. Um, Saturn is linked to Egypt, by the way. But anyway, uh, so Tyler, to answer your question, I feel it's because Krishna gives all knowledge to the human. Multidimensionality. Uh, remember those big maps I sent you of the multidimensional universe? Yes. And by the way, if your listeners would like them, if you could remind me towards the end, I'll give out my email and I'll send them to anyone who wants them. I'll give you my multidimensional Vedic tour of consciousness. It's just a joy to send out. It took me about 11 years to acquire, but it's just, I love sharing it because everyone, like Krishna says, the human form of life is to understand what is material nature and what is spiritual substance. Wow. Yeah. Yoga, yoga. That's why many people are doing yoga now. Matter, spirit through one lens. Discernment. Ego, material, eternality, joy, bliss, ananda, self, soul. Oh, I know the difference now. You know, it's only given to the human family. So I hope I answered your great question, Tyler. But I think the human form of life is, uh, is the most auspicious, the most sought-after form, because you can leave the multiverse and go back home to your eternal state. Wow. You know, you're not, you're not, a, we're not material beings. I know you guys know this, but for the public at large, we are not material. The illusion is we think we are. That's our hell. Yeah. That's where we suffer is thinking we're physical. Why do you think we fear death? Because we've forgotten who we are. Do you know how many times we've died? And do you know how many times we've taken birth, apparently? Uh, the metaphor is for all the drops of water in an ocean, the Pacific Ocean, how many lives you've had. You've been all the species of the multiverse. Krishna says they're innumerable. You can't count them all. Krishna explains evolution. He says, Arjuna, the soul's, the self is always constant. It never changes. What changes is vehicles, bodies that the soul gets injected to. And souls desire differently. When a rattlesnake wants to camouflage or be more stealthy, it has a desire. And my form is the para-atman or super soul within that form. I changed the, the intelligence of that species. This is why Darwin couldn't understand the connection to God. How could you see it? It's a paradox. 
two conflicting ideas that are still true. How could his material brain see the divinity of, say, Vishnu trying to make that living entity happy by changing it over time? What is uh, Kali Yuga, Kali, time? She controls time as the third dimension. And this ascension we're going through, it's going to just whack that out of, <laughs> that's going to be interesting. How is Saturn going to re respond yeah. to that? And, and we can tap into a lot of those abilities. You're talking about the, the whole trap is that the thing, we think we're just material. But even, even just some of my own practices I've been doing, uh, just believing that we're capable of so much more and the power of manifestation just in, in your daily life. If, you just, mm -hmm. if you're conscious about that aspect of life and you, and you basically uh, practice that every day. And, right. And you can manifest stuff. You can put yourself on a path and, and reach a level of happiness that uh, just I never thought was achievable at one point in my life. So it's, it's, we have the power now to start making that change. And that's a great point you're making. And the one thing I'd like for your readers to know, readers, sorry, listeners, <laughs> to understand is it takes a bit of tapasya to have a self-realized consciousness. Tapasya in Sanskrit means sacrifice. What are monks doing? What are Buddhists, Hare Krishnas doing? They're controlling their senses. They're getting a grip on their senses. It's your senses that befuddle us, not the energy. It's what we do with the energy that befuddles us. So tapasya means sacrifice. You have to give something up in order to attain something. And 90% of people like, not for me. <laughs> you know, I want to go play. That's our nature. The soul wants to play. Krishna says the ultimate source of another source of suffering of this material energy of mine is that souls are hankering for their eternal pleasure. They're looking for it in the wrong place. This multiverse that I created for you to assume yourself as a separate, which I begrudgingly did. I didn't want to let you go. But love is always unconditional. You know, if you truly love someone, it's unconditional. All right, sweetheart, off you go into my maya, into this etch-a-sketch of unending, you know. May I tell you both a little bit about the three energies that not many people know? Is that all right? Are we all right for time? Please, please yeah, do. Bring it yeah, on. <laughs> absolutely. So, and uh, I'm just getting so overwhelmed right now because this is a big deal and they, that you're allowing me to share this with your listeners. You know, you guys are very special. So I really love atheists. Why do I love atheists? If their conception of God is just based on the Bible and whatever that is, and they don't have any knowledge of Vedas, hey man, I get you. There is no God. How could there be? However, when you zoom out by the powers of 10 and you see the bigger picture, the Supreme Person, whoever you guys call God, and whoever your listeners call God, the, the, the supreme consciousness that everything comes from has three distinct energies. Brahman, which is Krishna's ubiquitous, cosmic, manifest, creational fractal of a trillion verse, a multiverse. Mahavishnu, his form as Vishnu dreams it. Edgar Allan Poe, the famous um, poet once said, is all that we see or seem, but a dream within a dream. In order to create separateness, you have to dream it because it's not real and God's dreaming it as Vishnu. I mean, you can't make this stuff up. So you have Brahman. This is who the Buddhists are merging into. Buddha, 
was giving an impartial realization called Brahman Jyoti, where if you're not attracted to a personal God, you can merge with that light, that nirvana, which just means empty. It's the light covering the eternal spiritual world. So Brahman is the creational fractal of unending desire. And, oh, it's so incredible to, to behind Brahman, you have what's called para-atman. Atman is soul, para super, para-atman, super soul. This is the supreme localized within every single atom as one being. I mean, this blows my head. And he's also within every single living entity, snakes, birds, aquatic humans, demigods, as one sentient being. And that's either observing the quantum field. Um, it's very esoteric because you can only meditate on it to understand it. Because the paradox again is, how can you brain see it? It's material. You're the soul, eternal, you're not material. So, and then above the para-atman, you have what's called Bhagavan. That, that is beyond the material nature. And it is said in the Vedas that if you were to squish all the trillions of universes into a piece of rice, and you hold that piece of rice up to the night, into the daytime sky, that piece of rice represents the total Om Tat Sat, the complete material energy. But the whole sky in every which direction represents the eternal realm, where there's no beginning, no end. And that's what the soul is made of, sat, chit, ananda, eternity, bliss, and knowledge. And that's what God's form is made of. So these three different layers cover reality. Universes are made of this, Brahman. And Krishna is localized within every atom within it as the witness, hidden. You know, because he doesn't want to intrude upon jiva's souls. Jiva means souls. He doesn't want to intrude on their separateness. And that goes to the point of in the eternal abode, God is not controlling. In that realm, there is no controlling. It's, it's unending love. It's un, you're creating with God the leela of love. It's a nice place. But us three essentially picked our teeth after dinner one night with God, and we were like, why are you so special? Why is it about you? Why can't I be you? And, you know, our lover is like, well, don't worry about that. You know, just love me. I love you. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah, 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 yeah. What else is there? There's got to be something else beyond you. And, and God's just like, ah, uh, no, don't go there. We went there. <laughs> and that's why in his form as Vishnu, he dreams these multiverses. And every universe, guys, has an engineer called Brahma. Every universe, I mean, string theory, I swear to gosh, quantum physics and the Vedas, one's math, one's Sanskrit, they're saying the same thing. Edgar, uh, Edgar Allan Poe, sorry, Noam Chomsky, who teaches at my university, he's a linguist, he teaches here now, very ironic. He says, the greatest career blunder of mine is I cannot tell you where Sanskrit comes from. Guys, it, it's not from here. It was brought here, and meditators can perceive it through this Atman or the self. And so as trillions of universes are dreamed into existence, we left Krishna or Vishnu as Brahma. You both have engineered your own universe separate from, from source. That's how you leave God. This is why there's unlimited universes. And that's why as scientists have conferred, most of it's empty. Well, not necessarily. 
dimensionally speaking. We can't perceive the higher dimensions because this computer is made of 3D. We can't comprehend the Pleiadian. They're 5D apparently. Everywhere you look, there's paradoxes. Everywhere you look, there's paradoxes. But even Brahma, when you leave God from this virtual world and you assume the form as Brahma, you really think you are God. You localize every galaxy. You localize every living entity. But like Shiva, Shiva is a very powerful energy. By the way, they have Shiva outside the Large Hadron Collider. Did you know that? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. That's and uh, I'm being very conscientious about times I could go on forever, but I, I'd love to explain that. But so Shiva is a form of Vishnu because nothing in the material universe lasts. It's ephemeral. It begins, it ends. Sean took birth. He's in getting close to the middle point. Well, no, I'm young. But the point is, <laughs> at some point, I'll have to give it up. So my brain thinks... I'm nothing. I'm just this body. I was born and I will end. Uh-uh. The soul within me will move on to another form. That's reincarnation. You take with you your activities, your consciousness, and your desire. And that's the vehicle that you get put into based upon those three things. Some humans, my friends, will take animal bodies because of how they're behaving. Some animals will move up that evolutionary ladder yeah of consciousness and this is why in the human form we are animals but we're also transcendent potential beings that's the paradox that's why again i was saying there's nothing but paradoxes here we're not com- we're not fully animals we mate we defend we eat we sleep just like animals but we have a software that the avatars personally reawaken within us and this is why demigods are like who the heck do those people think they are? Why won't he give it to us? Back to, just to give you back on topic to Shiva. Shiva. No, that's absolutely beautiful. Honestly, I could listen to you talk all night. Uh, You're the only one. (laughs) (laughs) I could too. Uh, (laughs) Call me. Yeah. (laughs) I'm just curious to your understanding of why Shiva is in front of... Are you you ready for this? Yeah. And I, I, I mean... The part, listen, you guys, the reason why honest people, not cliche vogue people that just say things to be cool, but the real understanding from India, namaste, is because these meditators know that there's God in your heart. Namaste. May I serve you with kindness and love. God is watching me right now. They know that. So my point is, um, so Lord Shani, Saturn, guess who he meditates on? So Shiva, there's three modes of material nature. When, when Emerson read the Bhagavad Gita and he went to uh, Walden, Thoreau went to Walden, they read the Bhagavad Gita, the one I sent you, Tyler, and they went, oh my God, God is everywhere because they, they read the book. So Saturn, um, he is in the mode of passion. He's wrathful. He wants to be, you know, he's, he's got his own personality. Brahma upholds passion, Vishnu upholds goodness. Three modes of material nature. I wish everyone would Google this and really go deep with this. So Shani, Lord Shani, his guru is Shiva. Shiva upholds the mode of ignorance. Shiva is not ignorant. He upholds that, that. That's why, you know, he looks stoned a little bit in his painting. He's just like, <laughs> hey, dude. <laughs> no, he, 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 ghosts and ghouls gravitate towards Shiva. 
He's very merciful as Shiva. Shiva is very, anyway, he's easily pleased and very easily angry. So with Shiva, you have to be, he's a personality. He's a personality. You remember the felines at Aseti that, they, I, I that, that James talks about? Mm-hmm. You're not going to believe it. Um, part of my relevance with James was to kind of, one of my roles at the ranch was to give people the Vedic tour of India. And I explained the multidimensionality in Vedas and mantras. And oh my God, thank you, James, for allowing me to do that. But do you, have you ever heard James talk about Lord Nishinga, the half man, half lion? I, I think I have, actually. Yeah, I'm yeah. sure I have, yeah. yeah. Guess who he is? Krishna. That's his avatar, half man, half lion. And Lord Nishringa protects. He protects beloved devotees. Saturn, Satan, Lord of the Rings, he meditates. You can YouTube Lord Nishringa and Lord Shani. There's actually a mantra that Lord Shani, come on, people. Take advantage of this stuff. There's actually a mantra on YouTube that Lord Shani recites to Lord Nishringa. Please, Lord Nishringa, protect humans from my wrath. Wow. Like, it's like, you know, he, Lord, so Lord Nishringa, I think he's, this avatar is in the seventh dimension. I'm not entirely sure about that, but he's a half man, half lion avatar. And the reason why he is will blow your minds. Why his form is half man, half lion. But, you know, Saturn is begging Lord Nishinga, protect these humans from my nature. Wow. Do you know every time I see an Illuminati symbol or if I, I see a Satanist, I know like how things are lining up, that even their head boss suffers. Even he wants to do right, but he has a nature that he can't overcome. And yet he begs to Lord Nishinga, protect those humans from me. And he's the Old Testament God. Mm-hmm. And this is why I, I said earlier, my, one of my many intents for people is, please distinguish between billions of demigods in many dimensions and the supreme Bhagavan. There's a big difference. Krishna is beyond the modes. Sorry, I don't want to keep saying Krishna, but God is beyond the modes of nature. He's beyond the dualities and complexities of material energy. You know, he's beyond all that. So I don't know... What's more impressive, your vast knowledge on all of this or the fact that it started with a piece of food? <laughs> <laughs> Can I tell you something? I appreciate your, um, your keen, visceral intuition with that really fast, you guys. I'm not used to talking like this, absolutely. And I, I just love talking with you both. One night in Flagstaff, I went to NAU. I thought myself to be an astronomer. That's why contact the movie really played a big life. And, you know, I got an A in college algebra, and I, I got a B, my, barely a B minus in physics. But my teacher in um, physics, too, was like, Sean, sweetheart, you know, I'm going to have to give you a W. Like, you didn't pass, and I don't think this is for you. So I majored in English. Now it's just completely deconstructed, just completely, you know, at a loss. Anyway, one night um, at the old theater, they played contact. And one night, um, I was very verklempt. You know, Carl had to come to leukemia during the making of that movie. And at the end, where it said for Carl, the shooting star went over. And I went back to my dorm, and I, I, something told me um, just to pray. What the heck is praying? And I essentially looked at the clouds, and I was like, Lord, I don't know if you're there. I don't know if I matter to you. I don't know what I am. But if you're there, sir, I remember saying, sir, could you just give me a, a sign that you know, you'll help support my journey. 
And um, can you just give me a sign right now? And I remember this kind of like, all right, sweetheart, look up. You're not paying attention. Look up. And when I did, a shooting star had went right over my head, the same star from contact. And what had happened was, you know, like a xylophone, that instrument? Mm -hmm. I didn't have time to respond. It just looked out. So it wasn't a, it wasn't a placebo. Of, uh, my spine became a xylophone. And that sensation was the tarantula that was this time slowly crawling up my spine when Mother Sundamani explained to me about Prasadam. It came back. And that's when, wow. that's when I understood, oh, Lord. You know, and can you imagine what it's like to be someone like me who gets the privilege of witnessing other so beautiful souls in this world? My God, there's so many great souls in this world. I, I wish young kids realized some of them are really powerful, but they'll, they'll waken up in nature's way. But can you imagine what it's like to be me moving about this world? I mean, I'm talking to two great souls, like, and I kind of have this insight that could prevent the Maya of our own suffering, you know, it, and I don't feel qualified and I don't like false modesty. I think it's goofy, and I, but I don't feel qualified. And yet the paradox again is I got to experience this. And it's kind of like every day I wake up, it's like, you know, it, it, my prayer is, dear, dear sweet one, I call Krishna a sweetheart because he is, or God, you guide me to those souls. I don't know what I'm doing. You know, I don't know my left hand from my right hand sometimes because I'm a, I'm a double Gemini. So that means double airhead. <laughs> I am an airhead, but I, I own it sure. yeah, right. with great affection. But, you know, I say to the, you know, the para-atman, this is what the para-atman looks like within the heart, apparently. The Vishnu has the super soul. I says, you know, Lord, just guide me. You know what you're doing. I'm trying to know what I'm doing. And so that enthusiasm every day feels like a new birth. Because every day I learn something. But that doesn't negate the fact I don't suffer. You bet I do. There's a lot of stuff that comes out when you're approaching the Supreme. Because he's... Uh, as Lord Shani did, yes, Saturn is consolidating our karma. He's doing work for us. You know, I honor Shani. Saturn Day. Saturn Day. You know, I honor Shani. Thank you, Lord Shani, from a thousand feet away. But all glories to you. Thank you for your service. Thank you for helping me consolidate my karma. I'm on his good side, but I know he can hear it. And I don't understand how he can. I do, we don't have to understand those things. You know, it's just the shortest distance between two points is a short line, is a straight line, mind, heart. That's the ultimate straight line we've got to really focus on. This is where we are. This is what we think we are. And this is where our suffering is. And this is where our freedom is, our sovereignty. Krishna was giving Arjuna his sovereignty back. Arjuna forgot who he was. And for our benefit, Krishna related to him who he is eternally. This is not religion. This is not Hindu. This is knowledge of... It's so curious, Krishna says, before we get to me, Arjuna, let's really talk about you. This is all about you. How can you know me if you don't know who you are? Wow. And by the way, you guys, um, please, everyone, Google... Uh, what's it called? Um, the, oh my gosh, this form, this is really relevant to UFOlogy because, yeah, oh, the universal form, isn't that ironic? I just opened up to it. 
Right. <laughs> Part Atman, right? But yeah. please Google the universal form of Krishna. I forget the documentary that David released before Above Majestic, but he opened the one with the universal form of Krishna. I, I got to give him one of these, uh, Contact in the Desert. Krishna is so kind. But this universal form that Krishna reveals to Arjuna ricocheted throughout all the places of time and space in the universe. And the demigods were like, what the heck is that? So it's on Earth-like planets, they get a wake-up call. Interesting. You know, and this stuff is so confidential, guys. It's confidential because it's in the material energy, it's our conditioning to exploit. It's our conditioning to lord it over the material creation. It's our condition to think our senses rule. This is why God is so compassionate. He knows our situation. Krishna says, I want you to be in ecstatic bliss. Orgasms are fine if you're not lusty with it. If you understand, actually, spiritual orgasms, I don't mean to be crass there, but there's orgasms in the spiritual world. It's just not self-motivated. It's motivated to God. The difference between the spiritual and material energy is, spiritual world, if Krishna, God's a source of pleasure, and you're with the source of pleasure, guess what? It's incomprehensible pleasure. In the material energy, we, we suffer because we're trying to reclaim that eternal pleasure. And we error. We die. We take birth. We have that beautiful person. That beautiful person goes. We lose our time. It's infinite suffering. Whereas the Buddha, he acknowledged that, but was just trying to be very vague and nondescript. Shiva, Buddha is actually Shiva. <laughs> but I, that's another podcast. But... Well, um, interesting. I'm I'm gonna jump in just because we're getting we're running short on time. Uh, yeah. So I want to start wrapping up. Uh, this has been incredible. Like this I, has been amazing. Has it? Yeah. I hope Thank so. Thank yeah. you so much. Like I, like I said, your knowledge on this is vast. I mean, it's it's beyond me how you retain everything you you have, and it's beautiful. And thank you for what you're doing. Uh, and I want you to. I want to give you a chance to let everyone know again. Uh, your email address and everything so that you can send them any information that you feel compelled to. And by the way, guys, thank you for not looking sleepy or falling asleep. I, that, <laughs> that motivates me. And I uh -huh. you not. There's some people I talk to and I'm, I'm an empath. So I can hear my brain going, dude, you're not looking. They're falling asleep. <laughs> so um, it's um, Sean Vedic visuals. So that's S E A N V E D I C visuals v-i-s-u-a-l-s at gmail and if you email me um i'll send you everything everything that i didn't go over and there's just a lot in there it took about 11 years to compile and it would just be my utter privilege to share and the idea is if it resonates with anyone and by the way in the introduction email i share my teacher vaisheshika prabhu vaisheshika he means one who seeks atomic truth subatomic truth even though he doesn't deal with the quantum he deals with krishna but his name is vaisheshika prabhu at fanthespark.com he's my teacher awesome. I, I adore him became a devotee at 16 he gave his entire life um to the study of veda so fanthespark.com yeah well like, like i said thanks again for doing it um, you guys are incredible you, you, I, I, I see your light you used a term the other day when we talked on the phone. You said Aaron and I receive uh, a lot of cosmic credit for what we're doing. 
And I, and I love the way you put that, but I, I, I want to say the same goes for you. Definitely for sharing this information. So much of this is crucial. All of it is crucial. It, it, I learned yes. a lot. You bring, uh, you bring a you. lot, you bring a lot, uh, to the table you bring a new perspective to it and different ways to look at things that we aren't taught so i'm just really glad i didn't stutter because i get really nervous and I, my brain was like oh no you didn't stutter so that's a really good thing so <laughs> no. that, that tells me a lot about your energy and how you know i anyway but yeah, thank I'll you so it. much it, it was thank you for having me thank yeah you. thank you thank you so uh with that i guess we're gonna say good night thanks everyone thank for you listening. Thank you uh, for doing this again. Can't say that. Absolutely. Uh, if ever you want me back, I'll I'll, I'll be waiting. Okay. Well, Absolutely. I'm, I'm sure there's even if it's two that. years from now. Even yeah. if it's two years from now, we'll still be going two years from now. Oh yeah. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. We have no plans and stuff. All glories to your service. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Good night, everybody. Thanks. Good for night. Listening, and we will see you next week. Take care. Good night. <laughs>